Hi guys, welcome back. We are back this week with our two-parter discussing Char- Charles Shivraj, better known as the Serpent. Woohoo, welcome back. Hope you guys missed us. I know it was only like a week, but... <laughs> well, that attachment issues. I hope you missed I us. <laughs> How's your week been, Joe? Honestly, it's just not much has happened this week. I'm not going to lie. Not, not, not anything exciting enough to report Oh wait, well, well this is a bit of a lie, we, we did graduate. Mate, I literally was like, she's at it. <laughs> Why did you? Am I awake? Yeah, so there was that, you know, like finishing our degree that, you know, almost killed us. But anyway, um, yeah, that was that was an experience and a half. Why, that was a I moment. Think, I think it was that traumatic that I've actually blocked out, like blocked out of my memory because it was, it was not, I wasn't, it wasn't a good day. So basically guys, they told us that there's like a deadline for the uni to release all the results, which was like, what was it? Like 5 p.m. on like last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, but like, that's just the, like the last time that they can release it. So a lot of the other departments like in the uni, so like education and like the science people and stuff, they had got their results a lot earlier. Like they, were, they had got their results like days before we did. So I was constantly on edge because I was like, well, they can come through at any minute. It's not like, you know a set time that they're going to come out it's just at any time so I was getting really on edge and then um on the last day but we kind of knew it would be the very last minute because the law school are always like that they're, they've always been super last minute so we kind of knew it would be like the the day that they like the deadline but obviously it's like 5 p.m and you know it guys they made us wait the full day I got my results I think it was literally like five minutes to five when like my actual result like my class came in and yeah, I, I couldn't move. The, I couldn't do anything the full day. I felt so sick with like nerves. I, it was my whole day was just like wasted because I just was not capable of doing anything all day. But finally got there. And it was so funny because finally got my results. And do you know that way? I got to the point where I was like, I don't even think they're going to come today. We're going to end up getting an email being like, there have been there's been a delay, you know? So I was so convinced that they weren't even coming anymore that I just like, checked the system just for the sake of it I wasn't even expecting anything to be there and then it was there and I was like oh my god um so I wasn't like fully prepared to see it but it was all fine it was we were really happy and then I went up and told my mum and she was like so <laughs> she was like so happy and like oh you know she's like oh my god it's amazing she's crying and I was just like in such shock because I was at the point where I was like I don't even think they're coming. I probably haven't got the result that I wanted. Like I was just so convinced that I wasn't going to do that well. I was just like completely like a statue. Like I had no emotion because I was just so shocked. My mum was like getting all emotional. I'm just stood there like, oh yeah. So it was a weird, it was a really weird feeling. It almost felt like an anticlimax because it didn't, it took so long for mine to sink in. Like it was literally, I kept thinking I was going to get an email being like, that was a mistake. You actually failed. Sorry. I have to take yeah. it away. Sorry, wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Um, but so far that hasn't happened, so which is good. Um, but you had it even worse than me. No, they were actually at it with me. So like they were at it with you. I feel I felt so awful. Like I I'd have this thing where like I was convinced myself that I've done things wrong, right? Mm. So I oh, I was in work all day. I was at a half eight, six, right? So I did think I'll check on my break and then I won't check again. But that's it, right? So I checked my break about obviously one, knowing they weren't going to be there, right? And 
and obviously nothing was there and I was like okay fair enough like I wasn't really expecting it I'll wait till I get out so I get out and like obviously you text saying they were out and mm-hmm. I'd heard like social policy was it so I opened I waited I tried to get it up on my phone but my wi-fi was being weird and like I was two seconds in the flat anyway so I was like I'll get it up on the laptop like whatever opened it in the laptop and like my social policy grades were there like no law ones no degree classification and I was like um I was like yeah Sorry. this didn't make much sense because Megan does a joint what is it joint honours so yeah I like I just do law but Megan does law and social policy so they're like kind of two like conjoined but um it didn't make much sense because I remember you saying that you didn't have your class but all I had was my classification so you know you like your first class two one whatever that's all that I had I didn't actually have like my individual breakdowns for all my exams that I'd sat that year mm-hmm. which doesn't make much sense because you need to know the grades first before you get your classification anyway like you need to use your grades to work out your classification so that doesn't make any sense and then I was like well how have you got it the other way around that you've got your grades but not your classification so yeah you were really put through the ringer with it yeah it was just a bit weird and obviously I went into this like actual panic like crying for my mum and all that because I was like I must have not enrolled or something I've done something wrong like I was like I've not taken enough credits like my exams don't count <laughs> I was like that these exact I've your checked I submitted my dissertation now that oh my like, god actually so I was emailing everyone obviously it was past like the working day times like no one was getting back to me and it actually bless Rachel McPherson shout out to her by the way she I mailed her because I was like she's replied so quickly and she literally mailed back being like I'm so sorry like here's email address people you can email like blah blah so eventually the uni at half seven sent out an email saying exactly why is it always so late like they're so late with everything half yeah. seven at night half seven at night sent an email saying oh by the way a lot of joint owners aren't getting theirs today and I was like oh and it's not being funny like they, surely you cannot convince me that they did not know that beforehand of course it was the way they, they were that. so like unapologetic about this when they genuinely like oh this is what annoys me about Glasgow as well. They're so like bullies about everything. They don't care about anything. They were like, oh, yeah, they, there was no apology, even though they had missed a deadline. Like that was a set in stone deadline that they had just missed and they didn't apologize. They didn't apologize for making students wait a full working day to get a results. That would, like you can't tell me they were still working out all the results at like 12 p.m. that day. They would have all been ready to go, but they made us wait the full day to publish them. And then they're just like, oh, by the way, yeah, you'll get them like eventually. Like what? Are you are you for real? Like no excuse. Just generally felt such a pastake and like yeah. so then the next day my grades came through. So I had my grades and no classification. And like I sat oh. and tried to work it out like that, but because mine's I I don't know really still to this day, I probably couldn't explain to someone how they work it out. But I no, me neither. Yeah, me neither. I technically take ten more credits over because the social policy courses are all twenty. So like yeah, you physically have to. I don't know where they've added up that this goes to 180. It doesn't. So I then added it up, and I was like, I genuinely don't even know if this is right because I know because I I didn't trust myself because I tried to do that before like before the exams, and I tried to like predict like what I needed to get in each one to get like a certain classification. So I was trying to like work out my GPA if I got like a certain thing in each exam, and I just kept doing it wrong. Like <laughs> I was like, if I got like you know b what but like b1 b2 whatever and all these exams and then i was trying to work out my gpa and it was coming out like c4 <laughs> like a d and i was like oh my god what am i doing you're like sorry but, who came back to bite me actually so yeah I, I i have no idea how they work out and i don't i'm glad that i'm glad that they actually did give it out if they were going to give them out in like two stages like separately i'm glad that it was a class first because i feel like if i'd gotten my 
individual grades first it would have stressed me out because I was like I don't know how they work this out and how that's going to because you know it takes into account like some of our courses from last year as well so it's it would have stressed me out too much so I'm glad I just got like I just got the class and then I was like right I don't need to worry about anything else yeah when I, and then I was literally lying in bed the next morning and I thought you know what I'll refresh it just for a wee giggle it's something to do right and it was just sitting there and I went so you genuinely sent me my grade yesterday no obviously knowing my classification I don't know how you couldn't have known it and I went exactly. someone's just genuinely forgotten to push button look yeah I know they're honestly oh, they're my asshole you need it yeah it was the fact that they like completely missed the deadline and didn't even apologize for it because they do stuff like that all the time like when they cancelled our graduation ceremony they literally acted as if it was no big deal like they didn't even when they first told us it was cancelled it wasn't even its own designated email it was literally one line at the bottom of a completely unrelated email of them being it was like, like one of the way. randomly student emails you get that you don't yeah, it was open. like, like student newsletter or something that no one fucking reads right and then it was just this one line at the bottom on the day that we handed in our dissertations which is obviously a big celebratory day for people that like everyone's always really happy because you get, finally get the dissertation out of your life and then they decide to just be like also by the way graduation's cancelled <laughs> like do you are you so far removed from what like, the student experience to understand that that is literally the shittiest way to go about that? It genuinely was one of the things that everyone was protesting, being like, is, is this real? Yeah, it's just like, is, like, so, like, someone said a tweet about it, like, the way they worded it was the funniest thing ever. It was genuinely like, I can't even find what they said, that they basically were just like, ceremonies might not be on campus. And everyone was like, yeah, what does I'm, this I mean? Think they're not even doing like a proper Zoom ceremony. They're literally just doing like, they've said they've since come out with other emails being like um oh we are saddened to have had to cancel like no you're not you don't give a shit but um they're not even doing like a proper zoom ceremony i don't think they just said they're going to be like multiple like things to recognize like the event or whatever so it's probably just going to be the, i know what they're going to do they're just going to post a couple of videos on the facebook page of the principal like doing some speech with that green screen behind him it was <laughs> you know the one i'm talking about yeah they did it all last year like during the mad covid times when like the first lockdown happened and then they just had that guy what's his name like buscatelli or whatever um they just had like a video of him and he put like a green screen on of like the university like main building behind him it actually looked hilarious like it made me laugh every single time no, it gives me big hunger games vibes like that's no, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's I'm, i mean to be honest i'm just glad to like draw a line under this chapter of my life like um, i'm very proud of this you know that way it's just it feels i am like, yeah like people keep asking about it and i'm like it just feels really surreal like I don't know how to explain it I I don't know how what I was expecting to feel but I I don't like it feels very surreal I don't feel like I'm old enough to have a degree the fact that I can now say I have a law degree doesn't feel right to me um maybe it's also because we've not had the graduation ceremony like we are going to get pictures taken with our gowns on and stuff which is nice so we'll have something to commemorate it but yeah and I think the fact as well that like we're not going back in September is very strange i think it's like, just weird that, like you're at a stage in your life where like it is genuinely plausible for people to ask you what you're up to next like every year yeah. obviously we just and then like, oh, maybe like me. i have no fucking clue bro <laughs> i have no idea you're like i'm just living my life thank you i'm just i'm just vibing right now you know um you can't say we didn't live life uh, <laughs> but I yeah don't... those those are the main catch-ups i think 
Yeah, that's uh, that's what the week's consisted of, to be honest. Um, it's it's been yeah, I can't believe I've literally just said that there was nothing eventful happened. No, I actually was staring like... at Joanne after the camera. I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna give her a minute to realise what she's just said. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it took it took so much out of me that I've just like I've forgotten about it already. I've blocked it out. Um but yeah, I hope you guys are all doing okay. Do you know what it kind if of you're in like... the same boat with exam results and stuff? It reminds me of like, and I know this sounds really silly, like, <laughs> it's going to come across real weird, but do you know the TikToks I keep seeing right now, like the adult swim ones, yeah. and it's like, you literally are just like a rock on the planet and like everything literally is completely what you make and the, the purpose 100%. that you give to something, and I was pure thinking about it and I was like, that is so true with like everything, like, yeah, even with like degrees and stuff, like, it's the purpose that we wanted to do well because we care. But. Yeah, it's actually for myself because see, like when when you actually do start working and stuff, like no one even really, like, you don't talk about your degree that much. It's a bit like when you're in school and doing your exams, you think exams are literally the biggest part of your life. But like, I have, I don't think I've ever mentioned we have don't have we've ever had a conversation about our higher results ever. No, <laughs> like, literally, you know, like literally, no one cares. It's not a big deal, and I don't think it's ever going to come up again in my life. <laughs> like, um, you know, so I get actually. That, like, it, it feels like such a big thing at the time, but it's just like then something else comes along, and then it's you know, and life moves on. It's I, it's I genuinely do agree, and I, my, I'm like that. Hope none of my tutors are listening to this if they're going to come take back my grades. But <laughs> I honestly do think the hardest I've probably ever worked academically was fifth year. Like oh yeah, yeah. Well, apart from I dissertation, that, but I think the thing that makes it different was like for me anyway when I was in school like they tell you everything you need to know they give you all the information and they're just like right go and memorize all this whereas with us it's just like here's a 500 page textbook the thing you need to know might be there maybe it won't maybe we'll just decide to ask you something completely different maybe you should read some other 750 page textbook maybe you don't need to I don't know like it's completely just you have no idea what you're supposed to even know um you know and they're like yeah read the essential readings but we might also ask you something for the further readings so you might want to read the further readings but we also might just ask you something from the essential readings I just yeah that's I think that was the main difference for me it was like the volume of work was huge I think for us especially in fourth year but it was also just like you were completely on your own. You had absolutely no idea what we were supposed to even be learning at that point. So they genuinely just yeah. threw stuff at us more like, good luck. Yeah, they were just like, here's a bunch of shit. Do what you want with it. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's in the course. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Oh, God. Well, it's, do you know what it is? It's character building. Oh, my God. The classic. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like you tell your dad about something that happened and you're pure upset. And my dad will always be like, oh, well, it's character building, isn't it? <laughs> Mum was always like, it's an experience. It's oh, an experience. <laughs> Why have I heard that line? I could tell mum I could actually get run over by a car and my mum would go, oh, well, it's an experience. It's an experience. <laughs> so, yeah. We're not trying to discourage it. Also, by the way, I'm not trying to discourage anyone from studying law. I feel like I'm really conscious of that because I don't, I, I don't have... I don't speak all that highly of my university experience I'm aware of that and I know it's not it's not been all bad but I'm not trying to discourage anyone from doing a law degree particularly at Glasgow <laughs> just in case they come chasing after my degree back just in case they could disclaimer. try to sue me um you know disclaimer everything that I've just said is actually a joke so 
Yeah. Lols. For legal what reasons. <laughs> What's it you say after things? Um, when you say, no offence, but... <laughs> no offence, but... <laughs> That's Joanna's I'm disclaimer. I'm not racist, but... I'm not homophobic, but... <laughs> but... <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway... That's all. That's that's our catch up for the week, I think. Unless there's yeah. anything else that I've forgotten to mention, I've totally blocked out my memory as well. I Joanna, did you get married? Right? There was five oh, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so last week we focused on the upbringing and background of Charles Sauvage to give context to the horrific events that had unfolded at his hands. We discussed Charles' desire and need to be in control, like many other cult leaders. This, including many other psychopathic tendencies, I mean, just to clarify, we're not saying that people, like, that everyone that's a control freak are psychopaths, because I I think I'm a bit of a control freak, but I also don't think of myself as a psychopath. Um, So just to clear the air on that one. Um, But a lot of these kind of tendencies have long been studied to understand why Charles came who he was. After the cruel killing of Jenny Bolvar, his next victim was a young nomadic Turkish man of Jewish heritage, Vitaly Hakim, who, similar to Jenny, had came to the eight sorry, sorry again, had came to East Asia to discover life's meaning. He met Charles in his accomplice, AJ, on a trip to a nearby resort town on the Gulf of Thailand, but instead opted to stay with friends. Yannick and Jacques, Vitaly's travelling companions, were very puzzled by this revelation following Vitaly's disappearance because he had actually left his clothes in the apartment that he was sharing with the other two boys and everyone kind of knew that he gave Charles his passport and traveller's checks for quote-unquote safekeeping, which I don't know if you remember the last week episodes, but we, it was very clear from the onset that Charles made sure he had something of all his victims so he could like use it against them and he would totally mask it as like a almost paternal thing. Tragically, his burned body was found days later en route to the resort destination of Pattaya. The body showed signs of being beaten, but it was clear to the, to the police that he was alive when he was covered in gasoline and set alight. At the time, the death was not connected to Jenny Bolivar's, and the police just assumed that he had been set upon by Thai bandits, even though it was in this particularly gruesome manner. Which I think is actually quite interesting because a lot of the time, like with like gangs and you know stuff like that, when they do take people out. It's just like a quick job, like they don't, you know, beat people up really, like, you know, that suggests something a little more personal. Like it's maybe just like they shoot someone in that side, like just, you know, like an, an assassin rather than like something really like drawn out and gruesome. Does that make sense? No, I totally, I think that was a thing that was really looked back upon, like, because obviously they were just like, oh, it's like usual criminals or whatever. But this was so brutal that it was like, why would a, just a random thief go to this effort to absolutely like brutalise yeah. this person. And I think it is important to bear in mind like contact with people was a lot less accessible then. Like obviously now if I didn't hear from, from Joanna for like four days, I'd actually be like knocking up a door like phoning and all that. <laughs> but it's it was so different back then. So Fatali was found in a completely different country from like his home. So his friends at this point had no idea of his gruesome demise. 
they went hunting for him only to, for this to also end in a cruel twist of fate. Charmaine Shakur, no, Charmaine Kiru, Vitaly's girlfriend, who was actually a French citizen, turned up dead in circumstances that were almost identical to Jenny's death. She has been trying to ta- trace Vitaly's whereabouts to Charles and it just started asking too many questions. An autopsy, much later, of course, with this whole like setup of everything, everything moves like really, really slowly. I, I mean, I think this is just related to the time this was in the seventies. We were, you know, it's a foreign country. It's it's just not how it would be now. Um, but officials did discover that Charmaine had been strangled, not drowned, and that she had been suffocated with such brunt force that the bones in her neck shattered. This case helped Charles earn the nickname, if that's what you want to call it. If, I feel like nickname is a bit of a weird one because a nickname is, a, to me, I think is more of a term of endearment or, you know, something that you would call like a friend. Yeah, um, like it feels uncomfortable to be like, oh, he's nickname. Yeah, um, but he started to become known as, quote, the bikini killer because Charmaine had been wearing a similar style of bikini to Jenny. Charles' sadistic killings at this point were just becoming a bit of a habit for him, either as a means of furthering his journey or just for sheer pleasure. He proceeded to make a short alliance with two Dutch students, Henk Betanja and Cornelia Hemker, where he introduced himself to them as Alain Dupie, a gem dealer. He conned them for a sapphire ring that was worth about $1,600, and invited them to his villa in Bangkok, where they mysteriously felt unwell. He took special care of them and locked their, val- their valuables and passports in a safe. Their bodies were then found strangled and burned on the 16th of December, 1975. Charles then proceeded to use Hank's passport as a newfound identity, probably his plan all along, until he murdered his next two victims, Laddie Dupar and Annabella Tremont, who, had, who he had met whilst travelling and became friends. These killings would be the first lead in a massive untangling of Charles's crimes. The police originally surmised that Laddie had killed Annabella and left the country shortly after her death due to his passport being used. However, it was actually Charles who had been using Laddie's passport that had been picked up by the authorities. So the police were able to trace the last days of Laddie and Annabella, and when they caught up with Charles, Marie and AJ, the trio managed to bluff their way out of any questions. However, while he was in Bangkok, Charles realized that he had been caught out. Dominique, Yannick and Jack had begun to put the pieces together and realized that they had been under the care of a homicidal madman. They broke into Charles's office and found dozens of passports and identity papers belonging to tourists who Charles had killed. Charles, who genuinely fought himself to be like, quote unquote, right, no mere mortal. Like he genuinely, Just to be clear, we, we are not calling him that. <laughs> like we don't want that on our name right at all. <laughs> but he genuinely, I think this is so the case with so many like, I don't like saying famous, but see, like, serial killers, like, psychopaths, like, 
they just think they can't be caught. They just think they're so clever and this and that. Yeah, like, they think they're like completely untouchable. I think they kind of have like a god complex as well. That they're yeah. just like, I'm so above everyone else. I'm above the law. Like they just think they're on a completely different level and they can't be touched at all. Because of this, he continued on the run despite like the evidence like mounting up against him. And he crossed the border into India and made their way to Calcutta. He planned to get a clean passport, which basically means to steal one from a tourist, and kind of steal some money as well to get him by. He managed to find both from Ivani Jacob, who, this is kind of debated, right, unrelated to Charles, died in a rundown hotel room due to drugs and strangulation, which I know it's unrelated to him, but as we'll come on to but see... But, like, what are the chances of that? Yeah, like, it's like, oh, I've got your passport, your money. I just randomly found this, like... Yeah, like a, like a homicidal, like, psychopath who has killed people in very similar circumstances finds the passport, like, and this guy just dies completely unrelated. I I'm not saying either way, I was just, it's just a bit, like, hmm. And I feel the fact that it's made a big deal as well, that it wasn't just, like, he didn't just overdose. Like, yeah, was it was definitely foul play. Yeah, so there's someone involved in this. I wonder if it's the guy that's already killed countless other people. Hmm. It's like, hmm, dot to dot. Hmm. <laughs> His passport and about $300 worth of travel checks were missing. So using this passport, Charles led AJ and Mary to Singapore. Charles then returned to Bangkok where he managed to drug and rob a rich American who he just stole his identity to continue on the run. Like, his thing very much was he wouldn't keep the same identity for a long time because less chance getting caught, basically. So here's where we get into the politics of this case. The Thai authorities were not interested in ruining their tourist trade by having a big publicised trial. Wait, wait a minute. Oh, sorry, I was just like a random bit to put in. For... Oh, yeah. Um, wait, I'll see that venue, yeah. The Thai authorities were not interested in ruining their tourist trade by having a big publicised trial, which I, I think this is like really interesting because a lot of these countries that do rely very heavily on tourist trades, like they don't want to ruin that. But it's like someone still murdered a bunch of people like, you know, that what? Well, I last week read like um, a book, I think it's like Fiona Barron or something that she like came off her basically. And it's called a suspect. I would recommend to everyone. It's like a quick read. Do you know what I mean? Like you can get through it in like a day or two. Um, but that was basically what it was all about. It was about these two girls that had been murdered like really suspiciously in Thailand. And it's fiction, but it does kind of really lead on to true stuff. And basically every time they would try and like get help from the Thai authorities, this isn't just them, like it's lots of countries do this, but they would just get no help. And it literally, like openly, it's because they don't want the publicity for it. And yeah, I think it's really it's, true in real life that like, they do genuinely say that, like the amount of missing people from other countries is scary because they don't want, especially when it's from like the UK or something, like they don't want people seeing because then obviously people aren't going to go. It was like how after Madeleine McCann went missing, I'm sorry, no one was going to that villa, were they? Like, exactly, yeah. I mean, I know it's, it's it's upsetting and it's quite concerning that this goes on, but it does also, I mean, it, like, it makes sense. Like, I can see why they were doing it, but it's just, and it's like a different, how do you police that? Like, how do you stop countries from doing that? You can't. 
Because you can't prove that they're trying to like... Because obviously they're never going to admit, or yeah, they they just make... I think it's just like that was what it was like in the book. Like it was pure interest and they basically just made that so difficult. Like the autopsy, they were like, yep, it's going to take seven to eight weeks. Like, it was just making everything so hard. Yeah. So the Thai authorities brought the trio in for questioning about the Bikini murders, but it was very half-hearted and almost just administrative. Like they were just basically doing it for the sake of it, like to check a box or something. Like, yeah, we questioned them, but that was it. However, the Dutch embassy was adamant about a full-scale investigation regarding the murders of two Dutch tourists, Bintanja and Hempker. The authorities began to build a case against Charles and was given police permission to search Charles's apartment a month after he had left the country. They found victims' documents and passports along with poisons and syringes. Do you want me to read this next card? Um, oh, I don't know why, sorry, I've actually done that. Um, no, hold on, I'll quickly fix that just so, like, we know I must have just put one in twice. Um, do you just want to do this to the next? Because then you're just going to have to do that for the rest of them. Just do the next. Do you want me to just do... do... You, you just do the next two paragraphs, like, after Charles, and then Charles will come to the attention. Yeah, perfect. Then we'll just go back to, like, swapping right. it. Um. After Charles, Marie and AJ fled Malaysia, sorry, fled to Malaysia, AJ was actually never seen again. It is theorised that Charles had murdered him before leaving for Geneva with Marie, but to this day, authorities theorise that AJ, who was like Charles' long-standing accomplice, had used, sorry, had outlived his usefulness and lies buried somewhere in the steaming Malaysian jungle. However, when news of a serial killer in Thailand who was killing tourists did start to emerge in the spring of 1976, the Thais knew they had to find Charles. And like, I think a lot of like the research and the reports do allude to the fact that like, Thailand were a bit like, oh shit, like obviously this, one, it's bad, like obviously there's a serial killer on the boat, it's not really what you're wanting, but, a lot of it was because now it was other embassies were getting involved. Yeah, they like they were trying to just like sweep it under the carpet and they just contain it within themselves. But then, because obviously there's so many other international countries getting involved, it became harder and harder for them to do that. Which I would say that um, the BBC docu- not documentary um, series about this. It's like a dramatized series called The Serpent. Highly, highly recommend. It's so so good. I think it's still on like BBC iPlayer or whatever. Um, they kind of do this really well. The guy um, that plays, oh my gosh, the the Dutch embassy guy. What is his name? I have forgotten his name. Is is it like Herman? Oh my god, it's such a oh yes. Right oh. There. Um, but yeah, the guy like that whole storyline with him pressuring the ties constantly to get this investigated is done really really well, and you can really see how hard him and his like kind of assistants and stuff were working to get this investigated. Um, so I do highly recommend you guys check out that series because it is really, really good. It's really, really well done. Um, but yeah, like that was very, really like prevalent in that. Like he was so desperate to try and like get this. He didn't give up in trying to get this investigated. Um, but I mean, it's, it is just like, it's very telling that it had to take to that point, you know, the ties wouldn't just do it off their own back. It took, yeah, like almost... Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you have to shame people into doing things. 
Like that's yeah. what it felt like. You had they had to literally be like, and then eventually, obviously, when the police was getting so bad, they had to be like, "Oh yeah, we were so worried about this." And it was a lot of it was yeah. because people were stopping coming over, like tourist Yeah, size. exactly. Charles had actually came to the attention of Interpol in 1973 when he was linked to an aborted jewelry robbery in the Hotel Ashoka, but this wasn't like he hadn't been pulled up to Interpol because he was linked to the bikini killings in Thailand, which I think is mental considering the amount of information they had on them. In Bombay, Charles and Marie began working on their scam again. Charles started rebuilding his family by bringing in two, like, quote-unquote, lost Western women, Barbara Smith and Mary Efer, and made a quick score by drugging a Frenchman named... What's that? Jean... Jean-Luc Solomon. Named Jean-Luc Solomon. He succumbed to the poison he'd been given and died without regaining consciousness, which turned the simple robbery, which was meant to be a robbery, presumably, into murder. While still on the run in 1976, in New Delhi... Charles, Marie, Barbara and Mary Ellen tricked a group of French postgraduate students and became their unofficial tour guides, which the students, unknowing to Charles, were... Th- unknown to Charles' ways, or just Charles? Oh, sorry, that's meant to be like unknown to like his like usual ways. If you take it out... I was thrilled. Like the... The students, because they thought they had a pure lip pal. Oh, right, yeah, I'll just do that. Um, tricked a group of French postgraduate students and became their unofficial tour guide, which the students were thrilled with. When he offered them a pill that he said would warn, ward off dysentery, they took it with trust as he had previously appeared so helpful. This is again like Charles. This is just his whole thing. Like he's so charming and like can just, you know, like you know these people that could just seem to like chat to anyone and you know, but you know he's a, actually a big snake. So his plan was to wait until the students became drowsy from the drugs and then to rob their rooms. But the pills actually worked too quickly, and all around Charles in the lobby of the hotel, the students fell unconscious. When someone realised that the only people who were ill were the ones who took their new friend's, quote, medicine, a trio of students wrestled Charles to the ground and sent for the police. And this was the beginning of the end for Charles Savrage. Whilst his accomplices confessed quite quickly, Charles refused to move from the story that he was a fringe merchant, despite the large amount of evidence that literally was coming from all around the world. The Thai authorities placed out a warrant that was valid for 20 years for Charles, which basically meant like he left the country, came back, like they could still hold him for all the crimes that he wants them for. However, nearly two years passed between the arrest of Charles and Marie and the actual trial. He escaped prison multiple times during this period and his escapades didn't stop during the trial where he hired and fired lawyers at his will. He brought his recently paroled brother, Andre, to assist, and he went on a hunger strike because he said he didn't have good enough conditions. And like Ted Bundy, he actually ended up defending himself, which 
a really oh, this is like god complex level oh, they're like yeah i'll just defend oh, myself yeah. as if like I don't know what's just better than the, people, the professionals that like actually do this for a living. Yeah. Again, like this is so common with these big, you know, psychopathic serial killers. Like the the trials always become like a huge spectacle because of their own actions, like you know, firing and rehiring all these illegal team and all that. Like just making it into, you know, making it into dragging it out and um, making it so much more complicated. And yeah, we going on hunger strike because it's conditioned. Like you're in prison, man. Like it's it's not supposed to be a luxury life. Yeah, like it's not. It's really not meant to be like a hotel. What? You're not supposed to be thriving in there. You realise that, right? <laughs> but Charles was eventually found guilty of administrating administrating. Oh. Charles was eventually found guilty of administering drugs with intent to rob causing Hart to commit robbery and the Indian equivalent to manslaughter, culpable homicide, not amounting to murder. Marie was found not guilty of murder, but instead of drugging the French students and was later returned to Canada, where she developed ovarian cancer. She protested her innocence and was was reportedly still loyal to Charles when she died at her home in April of 1984 at the age of 38. Now, I'm just going to say, I'm, I don't, like, we don't really know what the script is with Marie, right? Because she kind of denies, like, ever, she, she denies knowing a lot of, like, about what Charles was actually doing. Like, she said she didn't know that he was murdering all these people. I, I don't know how much I believe that. I just like, don't know how much you could actually be with someone 24-7 and, like, them coming home, like, obviously covered in blood and stuff like that, and you'd be like, that. oh, okay. Yeah, like, I, you know... I guess like there's this whole thing of like being blinded by love and all that and just you only see the good parts of someone but did you really not know really I mean when there's just so many like I feel like there's just so there's so many red flags here that if she genuinely didn't know I just I find it hard to believe I do I think that there's obviously like a lot going on like abusive and stuff like controlling but I think to deny that she obviously had a part and, it, and didn't know like, it's just obviously not because well true. I mean I guess there's like the chance that she knew but didn't do anything like she maybe didn't actively take part but there's like there's a few options there's a there's a whole thing like there's a chance that she was like a complete accomplice all along and it was like a 50 50 thing and that she was like helping him kill people and stuff I don't know how accurate that is I think it's more believable that she knew that he was like going about killing people and she kind of just like went along with it she maybe like helped him a wee bit of his scams which then obviously led to killing people i don't think she ever actually killed someone herself but i think she was just like definitely complying in the whole thing and wasn't, yeah like, i think like she would cover for him like as obviously yeah him. like to the end she was always going to cover for him yeah and at this point, Charles was actually facing the death penalty, which the prosecution had strongly advocated for. It was well known that he'd killed many others beside Sean Luke Solomon, which he was charged with in India. And if released, it, like, it was known that he would undoubtedly kill again. Hence, the world was astounded when the judge sentenced Charles to seven years in prison, which obviously for, like, culpable homicide, like, and robbing people is tiny like he also to be fair I say to be fair I don't mean that at all actually was convicted in connection with the attempt to rob the French tourists and a five-year sentence was added to his seventh term so for a couple homicide drugging people 
it was given what 12 years yeah it's just, it just doesn't really stack up for me I'm afraid unfortunately so there's definitely a wee bit of dodgy dealings that were going on yeah however the warrant from Thailand was good for over 20 years which meant that as soon as Charles was done serving his sentence in Tahar he would be deported and executed and Charles basically ran the prison in Tahar he kind of made it his home, so he actually didn't really want to leave, which I guess, I mean, if it's like, if it's in between that and the death penalty, like in, you know, in Thailand, obviously, but then he was literally like bribing all the guards and stuff to like, you know, it just shows all the kind of corruption that was going on and he was able to just literally run this place, run the guards as well. Like, this is like, how, this is what this man is capable of. But several years into his incarceration in India, Charles was interviewed by an Australian writer vowing never to repeat his past mistakes, but he stopped short of saying that he would never kill again. Counted it. He counted both guards and prisoners as his friends, and as he finished his 10th year behind bars, he threw a party in the prison for all his no, friends. Everyone's having party parties are literally like the, the bear of the cinema. Like, who actually throws a party for te- 10 years behind bars? 10 years in prison. Like, so that was, woo. But it's like, and the guards are all in on it as well. Like, they're all go- like, I don't know. I love how I mean, they're all going as if like, they're all like, getting them fees like, and all that. Like, oh my gosh. It reminds me of like, you know, when you're in school and you like make pals with the teacher and then you like have a party for like the end of term or something <laughs> and the teacher like gets involved. <laughs> um, but yeah, the dynamic is should be a lot different here, but I guess it's not. But of course, in typical Charles fashion, at the party, he did end up drugging his friends. It feels weird saying friends, but that's kind of how they're referred to. Um, but of course, this time, it didn't matter when the sleeping pills took effect. In the middle of the party, the cons and the guards alike all passed out because of the drugs. And Charles Savage walked out of the jail. I mean... You couldn't write that. You like No, you literally couldn't. Who's how is this man? I hate to use like, I hate to describe him as lucky, but like Well no way is like bad, like bad people can be lucky, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not I mean he's just look at his track record, like his history. How many times has he broken out of jail? He's managed to escape questioning, like escape the police so many times, he's killed so many people and managed to get away with it for so long. We still don't know what happened to AJ. Some people think that like AJ's still alive or what we know lived and just went and lived a secret life forever. I don't think so. I think Charles definitely killed him and he's buried somewhere. But yeah, and now he's just, he literally just was able to drug a bunch of people and walk out of jail. He managed to only get a 12, 12 years total for, you know, couple of homicides and drugging a bunch of people. It didn't even serve at all because now he's walked out of jail. Like I honestly, you just met some people. You know, you always say like, good things happen to bad people. Have you ever heard like people are always yeah. like, oh, like people have that type of luck. Like, I just think it's mental. Yeah, it's crazy. But for him, his gamble paid off. The authorities began to forget about Charles, and the evidence that was against him in Thailand started to wither away. Witnesses died, their evidence was lost, and which kind of happens with a lot of cases. Like, I think a lot of people do play the system. Like, yeah, like over time, if you can like string it out for as long as possible, like, yeah, like as you say, witnesses 
like either forget things or they die or you know and then evidence especially in these times when they don't have the same like they're not gonna have the same capacity like to store evidence and like to they, they, not even the knowledge especially with the, there's no like dna stuff about at this time so they don't have the proper knowledge of how to correctly like preserve evidence and stuff like that so it, it does just as time goes on it just gets harder and harder so like as we were saying just over time like he did genuinely just get very very lucky and a lot of the evidence was lost so in february 17th 1997 when charles walked out the tahara prison he was 52 years old and there was little chance that the officials so the thai officials could make a case against them so many years later so charles was basically a man without a country doing his own thing and just kind of wandered as he did before in true narcissistic fashion Charles loved when he heard that in 2002, an Indian film company wanted to make a film about his life. He continued to ask the media to not refer to him as a serial killer and to remember that he was never actually convicted. This... This this gives me the same vibes as when Alex Salmond was like, I never did anything illegal. Like, pal, what exactly are you, what are you admitting to here? What are you just, what are you saying? Like, to say like, oh, I was never actually convicted. I'm probably deaf has killed him, but like, you can't actually pin it on me. Like, I get what he's saying, because if this came down to it legally, like if, if they were calling him a serial killer and he took them to court for like defamation or something, that's what it would come down to. Like the, the judge would be like, well, he was never actually convicted. So you can't actually call him that. Like in the eyes of the law, he is not a serial killer. But it's just so like <laughs> it is a pure brass neck, and I think it just shows like how how he just does not care. He doesn't. You he know, doesn't care at all. It gives me vibes of like I don't know if you've seen the TikToks. I actually scream at them like it's the guy, and it's talking about you know people like people always seem to use this thing about like fifteen year olds being in clubs and like men getting done for getting with them. Like oh, it yeah. gives me the same vibes of like oh she looked eighteen like honestly like she she did like. Obviously she didn't, mm-hmm. but like she like yeah. that's what this gives me vibes of. Like mm-hmm. it's like, well, how was I to know? Like I was never actually convicted. Like, I don't know why it gives me like similar vibes, yeah, but yeah, it's as if he's like he's been like, why would you ever call me a serial killer? Like, well, maybe that's because there's like a shit ton of evidence against you. <laughs> you killed a bunch of people, and you were going away drugging people, stealing everyone's identities. But in 2008, he announced his engagement to a Nepalese woman called Nahita Biswas. This again, I'm not, trying, I'm, I'm not trying to like judge anyone for who they go out with, right? Um, because I've been single my full life and I really don't have, I'm not in the position to judge anyone for that. But, you know, it's just like, it's like when serial killers get all these fans. I know we're not supposed to call them a serial killer because at this point he wasn't convicted for anything. But like, you know, when serial killers, like get all these fans and all these women go crazy for them and then they like get married after they've actually been convicted like what is it about i've seen pictures of this man okay i've seen pictures of him at this stage (laughs) in his life and i'm i'm not gonna lie it really wasn't much to look at um you know and then adding to that no not really i mean not to my taste anyway and then adding to that that he's probably killed countless people we don't even know how many we can't we, we genuinely don't even know how many in total that he has probably killed what is it that's what's the major selling point here you're going to need to give me something else because i just can't see it i honestly don't understand like i do think there is certain people that just have a fascination with like 
I don't know because like what is it about him? Like it's not yeah. he's been in, he's been in prison for ten years. Like I'm going to presume he's do you know what I mean? His charismatic skills aren't through. And not just that, like he literally escaped from prison multiple times. Like it's like, obvious he's, he's killed these people. Yeah. And he's still finding the time. Like he is literally on like the world's wanted list and he is finding the time to go on dates. <laughs> he is finding time to book restaurants, go on walk dates. Like, sorry, how do how do people get life? Why, why is she pure like that? Like, see how you obviously go on dates and stuff, you talk about your life, like what you've been up to. Yeah, like what is he telling her? Like what is why is she he she's hearing that he's been in prison like 75 times, he's a serial yeah. killer, and she's like, oh yeah, that's the one for me. <laughs> I just don't I know. Like, it's just yeah, it's it is fascinating. You know, we we've got plenty of serial killer documentaries. I think we need to start making documentaries about the women that fall in love with serial killers and why that is. I, I would watch the yeah. show that. I would just Netflix I love the psychology it. behind it. Like, I would yeah. just love to know where it stems from. I know because how could you like? I get like I know that something you know sometimes when you know your friends going out with someone and you're like hen they're a piece of trash like how can you not see it it's so blatantly obvious but they're just so like oh no but he's this he's that like he's so nice like they only see the kind of good parts like i get that and that just happened but there's like there's that and then there's like this man is is you know very dangerous like i don't i don't get what the what the appeal is at all. yeah I, I get there's love goggles like also you have get pals you're like what the hell but love goggles like it's different when like maybe they're a bit barking or like I don't know you just you just bark Megan <laughs> like not like barking not like that but like maybe you just think like oh like I think you should use the term aesthetically challenged <laughs> oh yeah Joanna because that's so much better that's the PC version Megan so, said barking the aesthetically aesthetically challenged or you maybe think like maybe they're just not really the one for my friend right but they are so blinded with their love goggles like you're like okay like fair enough like, I guess like whatever I don't understand how your love goggles can be so thick like, they're thick hers must genuinely be stacked up like because how the hell sorry I actually could go on about this forever so I feel like I know we're going on some tangent here but we're just trying to understand guys <laughs> But his easy life did come to a halt in July 2010 when the Supreme Court of Nepal postponed the verdict on an appeal filed by Charles against a district court's verdict which was sentenced him to life imprisonment for the murder of American backpacker. Claimed that he had been denied justice and that the judiciary was corrupt to which they were charged with contempt of court, which I think is just the icing on the cake in this one. Actually, this makes me how, like, <laughs> it's like, okay, pop off. But, no, no. Like the fact they were probably trying to be like, oh, they've been denied justice, like, and then they actually got done for contempt of court. Contempt of court. <laughs> but on the 18th of September 2014, Charles was convicted in the in the Baxter District Court for the murder of um, Canadian tourist Laurent Carrier. And then in 2018, Charles was actually in critical condition and he's been operated on multiple times. He's had to receive several open heart surgeries and he's been scheduled for more. And as of April 2021, he does remain in Nepalese jail 
age 77 in imperial health. But tragically, we'll actually never know how many people he killed. I think he was only convicted for one, two, really, of actual murders. It's crazy how many, like, how little he was actually convicted of throughout his life. Like, he genuinely just jumped in and out of prison and he'll never admit to killing all these people. Like, it's very, like, joking, like, Fred West. Like, how they'll never actually tell. Like, he totally wouldn't admit, like, Marie obviously never admit and then she passed away. Like, I do think it's one of the, it's horrible, but it's one of the ones I genuinely don't think we'll ever know. I know, it's awful. And, yeah, and it's how he he just managed to get away with all the, on so, like, technicalities, like, and... Also, it just—I mean—it does kind of show like how long these things can string out. Like this was all going down in the seventies, and it was—it wasn't until like two thousand ten so things actually was able to get some sort of conviction. I also think I wonder what it's like for these doctors that have to like operate on people that are serial killers, like and save their lives. Well, there's actually a book I want to read, and it's called *The Prison Diaries* or something, and that's literally what it's about. It's about do- prison doctors, and yeah. like some of the wilds. And I do wonder what that's like. Like, I wonder if they don't. I guess with someone like famous like him, you would probably know. But yeah. I wonder if it's like, and, like a do they know thing. what the crimes are and stuff? Like if they, when you're treating someone, like do you know what their crime is? Like what they do? I guess you probably could probably don't. figure it out from like obviously there'll be different parts in the prison for like high profile pedos, like all that. Like there'll yeah. be different. So maybe you could figure. But would you want to figure it out? Oh, I know you might not even want to know, like because it could not. I'm not well. It could like in a cloud, cloud your judgment are we bit like um, I don't know um, but yeah that's it for this two-parter guys hope you enjoy yeah. it hope you're still there um I, I love you two-parter I have to say I, I know really it's, like it. I do like it because we can kind of go in a little bit more detail and a bit more in depth about what like I think with this one like we spent time in the first episode just talking about his background and like his early life to kind of understand how he looked like ended up doing all this stuff in in his later life because he's literally lived a life of crime like from such a young age he has been breaking the law um which I think is interesting how it starts from kind of more petty stuff and then it just builds and builds and then he became this completely like just psychopath no empathy no remorse nothing um so yeah I really enjoyed looking at this in more a bit more detail and obviously there's so much to cover there's even stuff that we like there's stuff that we've not even included in this because Literally, there's just so much um, about this guy and the stuff that he's done. Um, so yeah, highly recommend if you found this interesting, check out that um, BBC The Serpent. Very, very good. Um, and yeah, that's it from us. So thanks so much, guys, for listening again. We hope you guys are doing well. If you have any more case suggestions, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to, you know, get ideas. Keep us on our toes, you know. And we want to do episodes that you guys actually want to listen to. Um, Otherwise, it would just be us talking that no one, it's about stuff that no one cares about. So it would be good to know that you guys actually are enjoying the stuff. Um, and building on that, of course, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars, obviously, because that's the only thing that's just for well, that, obviously. Um, obviously. Um, and that's basically it. Make sure to follow us on all the socials, and they're in the description as usual. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.